ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان خير الكلام كلام الله تبارك وتعالى وخير الهدى هدي محمد صلى الله عليه واله وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار all praises due to allah we praise him we seek his help and we seek his forgiveness we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the consequences of our evil actions. Whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide him. And whomsoever Allah misguides, none can guide him. I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his last and final messenger. The best of speech is the book of Allah and the best of guidance is the guidance of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam and the worst of matters are invented matters in this religion and every invented matter is misguidance and every misguidance is in the hellfire today the night of Jumad al-Akhirah 14-19 which coincides to be September 19, 19, 1999. Insha'Allah, we're going to start the explanation of knowledge is a cure. This is a poem that was written by me about the science of hadith. I have previously explained this poem before about two months ago and now we're going to repeat this explanation here in Masjid Al-Mu'mineen because it was explained in the Masjid of uh, Boca Raton now inshallah we're going to repeat this explanation in our Masjid here Masjid Al-Mu'mineen in writing this poem, I followed the footsteps of the Muslim scholars in their effort to put Islamic knowledge in poetry format to be easy to be memorized. Therefore, we have in the Arabic text poems short and otherwise that covers different aspects of the religious knowledge. We have, for example, an aspect of the Hadith, Al-Fiyat al-Iraqi, and Al-Manzum al-Baykuniya. We have, and it's available in the Arabic language, Al-Fiyat ibn Malik. Also, we have in Science of inheritance, al Mughum al Burhaniya, which is a Mughuma poetry about the science of inheritance. So, following the footsteps of the scholars, this is my humble effort to put a poem that was made of 40 lines of poetry concerning and covering the science of hadith. I have some topics here for you. Uh, we get you, you can share it, inshallah, and get more copies. See, all praises due to Allah. We praise Him and we seek His help and we seek His forgiveness. Praising Allah 
is to ascribe to Allah the attributes of perfection. Alhamdulillah, wasfullahi, wasful mahmoodi bil kamal. Praising Allah is to ascribe to Allah the attributes of perfection. So when we say Allah is the powerful, the strong, Allah al-Azim, al-Khabir, this is praising Allah. And it can never be that we can praise Allah sufficiently. Therefore the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said in the hadith that is famous, that is famous hadith, لا أحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك I cannot praise you sufficiently, it is, it's how you praise yourself. So we praise him and we seek his help and we seek his forgiveness. Seeking the help of Allah is half of our religion. Therefore, when we are praying, we say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ It's you who we worship and it's you who, who we seek help from. Seeking help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is needed in every action that we do. And the actions that we do, some of them, we feel that they are easy to us. And those actions which are easy to us, many times we forget to bring to our heart the feeling that we are seeking the help of Allah in doing those easy actions. An example of that, if you see a napkin on the floor, you would think it's very easy to do that, to do the action of picking up this napkin and throwing it in the garbage can. It's light and you are healthy. Therefore, people automatically do that without thinking they need the help and the assistance of Allah to do this easy task. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullah. We just started. You can pray your tahiyyat al So people think it's very easy to do those easy tasks. Therefore, they forget to seek the assistance of Allah <coughs> in order to do those easy tasks. Similar to that, taking a sip of water. We always do that. Therefore, we condition ourselves to do that without reflecting upon what we, that we need the help of Allah to do those easy tasks. That a person who depends on Allah, a person who is God-oriented, Allah, he is oriented with Allah Azza wa always feels the need to seek the assistance of Allah. Although always feel he is insufficient to do anything without the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even picking a napkin off the floor. Whereas in many aspects people or in many situations people feel the need to depend on Allah when they are forced to do so. When they are confronted with something that they cannot cope with. They feel they do not have the power to cope with, then they are forced to depend on Allah Azza wa Jal. But also we have to feel the same feeling when we assume in ourselves that we can do those tasks. And this is why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to say La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah There is no ability to move and there is no power except by Allah. This is a treasure from paradise. Because the power in its absolute meaning 
rest with Allah Azza wa Jal and we are powerless. So we seek the help of Allah and we seek Allah's forgiveness. Allah Azza wa Jal is the forgiver. He forgives our sins and He forgives our mistakes as it was reported in the hadith. Allah asks those who are making sins in the night to seek the forgiveness of Allah in the day. And those who are making sins in the day, Allah asks of them to seek His forgiveness in the night. And it was reported in another hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote in the book that His mercy overcome him anger. أَنَّ رَحْمَتِي صَدَقَتْ غَضَبِهِ قَالَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى But that does not mean we depend on Allah's mercy without us endeavoring in those actions that will bring to us the forgiveness of Allah. which means we have to endeavor in action that will bring to us the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide him, and whomsoever Allah misguides, none can guide him. Truly, Allah azza wa jal is the one who guides. If Allah misguides an individual, we cannot guide this individual. And if Allah misguides an individual, if Allah guides an individual, none can misguide this individual. It was reported that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the hadith al-Qudusi, in a divine hadith, and we're going to study what does it mean to have a hadith al-Qudusi, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Ya ibadi kullukum dal fastahduni ahdikum Oh my slaves, all of you are misguided so seek my guidance for me to guide you so we have to seek and ask Allah to guide us therefore we say in our prayer Every time we pray, we say, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Lead us to the straight path. Guide us to the straight path. And here it's worth mentioning for you to know that guidance is two types. And guidance in Arabic means hidayah. And it's very important for the English speakers to familiarize themselves with the Arabic terms. So guidance means hidayah. Hidayah is two types. Hidayah bariyaniyah and hidayah qalbiyah. Hidayah bariyaniyah means the guidance of showing evidence. Hidayah, bayaniyah, means the guidance of showing evidence. And hidayatun qalbiyah, which is the guidance of the heart. Allah Azza wa Jal guides humanity and avail his al-hidayah al-bayaniyah to everyone in humanity which means Allah availed the evidence to everyone in this humanity. This is the general rule. So everyone has the chance to see the truth and follow the truth. And this is the meaning of the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about his prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam wa innaka لَتَهْدِي إِلَىٰ صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Verily, you guide the people or you guide 
through the straight path. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, guides through the straight path. What type of guidance? The guidance of showing evidence. Al-Hidayah al-Bayaniyah. Meaning the Prophet, peace be upon him, shows the Ummah the path of the truth. He identified for the Ummah the path of the truth. Yet the Prophet, peace be upon him, cannot guide the hearts of the people. Therefore, also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to us in the Quran about the Prophet, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مِنْ Verily, you are not able to guide those who you love. We were saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Prophet Muhammad, إِنَّكَ لَا تَهْدِي مَنْ أَحْبَبْ Verily, you cannot lead, you cannot guide those whom you love. And needless to say, those who we love, we try to bring them to guidance, more so those who do, we do not have the same feelings towards them. Is that true? Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet, peace be upon him, those who you love, you cannot guide them. That does not mean the Prophet cannot show, cannot show those people the path of the truth. He could, and he did, but he cannot change their heart. Therefore, he was not able to guide his own uncle who defended him, protected him, he was not able to guide his uncle to Al-Islam. Even though he showed his uncle the path, the true path. So when you put those two ayahs together, there is no contradiction. Because somebody might say, how there is contradiction in those two ayahs. One ayah says that you guide to the straight path, and another ayah says, you cannot, you have no ability to guide those whom you love. You say, no, there is no contradiction because one ayah is talking about al-hidayah al-bayaniyah, the hidayah of showing the evidence, and one ayah is talking about al-hidayah al-qalbiyah, which is the guidance of the heart. And it was reported in the hadith, the hearts are between two fingers of Allah. And Allah changes the heart as He sees it. So whomever Allah guides, none can misguide Him. And whomsoever Allah misguides, none can guide Him. And then it says, I bear witness, there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and Prophet Muhammad is his last and final messenger. This is the testimony of our faith. This what makes us brothers, what makes us one nation. This what unifies us. It's not the color, not the, the geographical territory, not the money, but what unifies us is the statement of La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. If this statement cannot bring us together, nothing else will bring us together. But this statement has serious implications. Serious implication attached to this statement. Because this statement is a covenant, a contract, an allegiance that you are giving to Allah. Therefore, 
Abu Qalib refused to say that statement because he knew the seriousness of its implications. The, and also, today people say it, not knowing its implications, therefore they say it without knowing what they are saying. They repeat it like terrorists. This statement, Ya Aswan, it's a contract and covenant that you are saying. You love Allah the most, more than your health, wealth, and your children. You obey Allah in all aspects of your life. And you is the slave and Allah is the master. And no one has authority to legislate anything. No one has an authority to ask you to do things opposing the rules of Allah. And you are totally subordinate in your beings to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it has serious implications to it. And we don't, of course, want to turn our science of hadith lessons to the Tawheed lessons. But that has been covered, alhamdulillah. And we have explained the book of Al-Tawheed by Sheikh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab. And it took us 10 months to explain it. And it's recorded on 36 tapes. We encourage you to learn the Tawheed. There is books written by Bilal Phillips in English about Tawheed and by others. Do whatever you can to learn your Tawheed because this is the most important aspect of your religion and it's a mandatory duty upon every Muslim to know Tawheed more so than to learn how to pray. And learning how to pray is mandatory duty upon every Muslim. It's more so in Tawheed. It's a mandatory duty upon every Muslim to know the details of Tawheed. It's true for a person to be scholarly in the religion, knowing the Arabic language is a must. For the Arabic language is the language of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. For a person to be scholarly in a religion, this person has to learn the Arabic language. There is no way around that. Therefore, scholars that belong to different races and nationality, all of them speak the Arabic language fluently, whether they are from Pakistan, from India, from Albania. No matter where the scholar his latest tongue is, for him to achieve a scholarly level, he has to know the Arabic language. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in the Quran, Inna ja'alnahu Qur'anan arabiyan la'allakum ta'qidun. We have made it into and we have revealed it into the Arabic language for you to understand. Which taught us true understanding stems from knowing the Arabic language. Therefore, I encourage those whose their native tongue is Arabic and those who are not to endeavor in serious efforts to learn the Arabic language. And realize how I said those whose native tongue is Arabic. Because many people, even though they speak Arabic, but they speak the colloquial Arabic, the Algerian accent, the Moroccan accent, Egyptian accent, Sudanese accent, Syrian accent, Lebanese accent, Arabian accent. But the people's knowledge of the formal and classical Arabic language is very minimal. Therefore, they have no ability to 
construct sentences in the Arabic language with the proper vowel where the fatha should be, where the dhamma should be, where the kasra should be Thus, we encourage the Arabic-speaking brothers to endeavor in serious effort to learn the Arabic language by learning the Arabic language grammars and rules. Also, we encourage those whose native tongue is other than the Arabic tongue for them to endeavor in learning the Arabic language because this is the language of the Qur'an by which they will be able, able to read the Qur'an by which they will be able to read more and more enlighten themselves more and more and hear directly in the Arabic language without the need of an interpreter also there are tapes and books that were made and manufactured for this purpose and we have to endeavor in those avenues that are available to us to learn the Arabic language, insha'Allah. says again here, additionally, most of the essential books that deal with the religious subject were written in Arabic. The wealth of information about religion is written in Arabic language. However, religious knowledge is not exclusive to those who speak Arabic. Here pay attention. We are not saying only those who speak Arabic have knowledge about the religion. That's what is said. For a person to be scholarly in the religion, Arabic, knowing the Arabic language is a must. But a person can obtain strong and a general idea about various aspects in the religion in different languages. Therefore, we are teaching this in the English language. We have explained the Tawheed in the English language. So a person can obtain sound knowledge in the religion through his native tongue. And he can deliver himself from ignorance deliver himself from the darkness through the explanations that are available in his native tongue and a person should take advantage of that therefore we say here a word of knowledge has been translated to the English language also many religious books have been written in English those are not translation, they are the original works that have been written in the English language. All of the previous, all of that, meaning the translated material and the original material, provide for a profound source of knowledge for those who seek it. Provide for deep level of knowledge for those who seek it. But those who do not seek it, knowledge does not come and knock on your door say, open, I'm knowledge. We have to seek the knowledge. Just like do not expect every end of the month somebody knocking on the door and telling you this is your money. You can stay home or pay me your money. Even that would be nice, but it does not happen like that. Similarly, knowledge does not come and knock on your door. You have to go out and seek it. Study. Put time, allocate time to study. The shaitan is very wanting of you not to spend any time studying. Therefore, whenever you go to hit the book, he starts bringing things to your mind. You have to do this, you have to do that, you have to paint your house. And those weird things for him 
for you to stay away from knowledge. Therefore, when you are seeking knowledge, you have to be patient. And this is one of the etiquette and the protocols of seeking knowledge seriously for a person to be patient and for the person to sacrifice things in his endeavor in seeking knowledge. Without sacrification and seriousness, a person will lack his commitment to seeking knowledge. Then it says, the following is a poem about the science of hadith. Its intended purpose is to provide a very basic idea about this important science. What is the intended purpose? Is to provide a very basic idea about this important knowledge. We're not going to study this and move out scholars in the science of hadith and start making classification. This is hadith, this is da'if and this is hasan and and I have my opinion about this hadith and even though Shaykh so and so has no 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 no. This is a very basic idea. We are just learning the terminology. So for you when you read a book and you read the terminology, you understand what they are saying to you. For me, for you when you hear a khutbah and you say this hadith is mawkuf, this hadith is marfu', this hadith is mursal, you know what is the implication of those terms. So we are learning the ABC. And a person cannot be scholarly in the hadith without knowing the Arabic language again. So you can learn, have an idea, but to be scholarly you have to know the Arabic language in that time. Similar to that, if you take one course in the medical field, they're not going to let you go to the surgery room until you now you are surgeon. So if you took only one course. Similarly, by studying this very humble effort, you cannot go to the books and classify the hadith and think that we have studied that science. We only did a very little aspect of it. It is written by Abu Nur, which is me. And that was, I finished writing this poem in the 8th of Rabi' al-Awwal, 1420. And by saying that, we conclude the first session. وَهَذَا وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَبَارَكَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَّمَ If you have any questions, inshaAllah, we avail sometimes to answer those questions. Time for us. Five minutes to answer questions. Naam. You you came when you're talking about the introduction. I'm not following. I'm not following the question. There's been a tremendous, um, <coughs> in my, in since my conception of becoming Muslim and being American, I, I know and being, being fundamentally grounded with English and, and this way of life and this dominion, uh, <coughs> trying to get shaping on how to implement Quranic knowledge and knowledge from Hadith into my life now. Uh, because for so long, 
Yeah, I think in a ritual or in a way. For us to implement the religion, we have to implement the religion with ease. We have to change our lifestyle gradually, a little bit at a time. They say for the knowledge to sit in and get imprinted takes time. And for that knowledge after it sits in to change us, to change us, to reform our behaviors also takes time. So for that process to happen, it requires a period of time. And throughout this period of time, we should, the knowledge that we take, implement it one day at a time and increase the dose as we go on. So we do not want to be stuck in the rut where a person is doing the same thing for 10 years and we do not want to be taking leaps and putting on us things that we cannot swallow. But it should be a gradual change, insha'Allah. وهذا وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وأصحابه والذين اتبعوهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد This is our second lesson about the science of hadith and last time we have covered the introduction Is Arabic language important for a person to be scholarly in a religion? No. Yeah, why? No. Because the Quran and the Sunnah is written in uh, in Arabic. Okay. So in order to be knowledgeable in the Quran and the Sunnah and the Hadith, you have to understand it. Mm. Can a person get any type of knowledge without knowing the Arabic language? Yeah. No. Huh? Why? Thanks. Because there are books that are written in English. Some Arabic books that This poem about the science of hadith, what is the objective of studying this poem? To give us a basic understanding of hadith. Basic understanding about the science of the hadith terminology. Here, inshallah. When we're talking about, and this is we're going to start the new lesson, when we're talking about al-hadith terminology, the science of hadith is two kinds. The scholars of hadith divide the scholar or the science of hadith into two groups or two categories. The first one is called the ilm al-hadith diraya. Ilm al-hadith diraya. And the second one, علم الحديث رواية. علم الحديث رواية is the science of the meaning of the speech of the Prophet peace be upon him. So this aspect of knowledge deals with the meaning of the statement that were said by the Prophet, peace be upon him. The other type of, or the second category is Ilm al-Hadith Riwayah. And this science is the science of the authenticity of the report. And the definition of it, it is the science that study the classifications of hadith 
and achieve four things in order to accept or reject a report. Repeat one more time. It is the science that studies the classifications of hadith and its reporters in order to accept or reject a report. Rejecting a report does not always represent disparagement of its reporters. A text might be rejected to be the statement of the Prophet, peace be upon him, but that in of itself is not a disparagement to those who carried to us the report. the first line of poetry, praise Allah and pray on the Prophet who was sent for humanity's benefit. Reporting through a chain of narration is a unique equality to the Muslim nation. Yet in regard to report authenticity, hadith fall in three categories. Praise Allah and pray on the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Praising Allah is to ascribe to Allah perfection. Alhamdulillah, waqful mahmud bi sifati al-kamali. Ma huwa alhamdulillah, waqful mahmud bi sifati al-kamali. Praising Allah, attributing to Allah perfection. And all praise is due to Allah. This is a fact. Whether you praise them or not, all the praises are due to Allah. And pray on the Prophet. The Prophet here is Muhammad, peace be upon him. So when we tell you praise Allah and pray on the Prophet, how you pray on the Prophet? You say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wasallam. You say, O oh Allah, pray on the Prophet and his followers. So you yourself cannot pray on the Prophet. Realize this point. When I tell you, pray on the Prophet, you say, O oh Allah, pray on the Prophet. So your prayer to the Prophet is to ask Allah to pray on his Prophet. Allah's praying on the Prophet is Sana'ullahi ala nabiyyihi fil mala'i al-a'la It means for Allah to praise his Prophet Muhammad among the angels who inhabit the highest heaven. So when you ask Allah to pray on the Prophet, Allah will praise His Prophet among the angels who inhabit the highest heaven, the highest sky. And in hadith narrated by Muslims, whoever prays on the Prophet once, Allah prays upon him ten times. 
So whenever you hear the name of our beloved Muhammad, you say Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wa Sallam. What do you say? Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wa Sallam. But when you hear that in the khutbah, when you hear the name of the Prophet, peace be upon him, in the khutbah, you do not pray on him with during the khutbah. Because during the khutbah, a person has to listen without saying anything. So praise Allah and pray on the Prophet, who was sent for humanity's benefit. This line tells us why the Prophet was commissioned Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam To make it difficult for us No To complicate our life No To misguide us God forbid no He was commissioned for our own advantage Therefore Allah Azza wa Jal said in Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah number 107, Chapter 21, Ayah number 107, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا Verily, we have commissioned you as a mercy for everything. A mercy for everything. Al-Alameen means everything. Because Al-Alameen is derived from Alam. The Alam something is a sign. Everything is a sign indicating there is a creator. Everything is a sign indicating there is a creator. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, was commissioned as a mercy for everything. You have to reflect on this point. It is normal to accept that he is a mercy to the believers. But is he also a mercy to the believers? Yes, he is a mercy to the disbelievers because Allah, because the Prophet, peace be upon him, taught the believers how to deal with the disbelievers. And when we deal with them according to the teaching of the Prophet that is a mercy to them. Also, a prophet is mercy for the animals. In one hadith, it's a curse an individual who take a living animal as an object of shooting. Many children take a BB gun and they shoot down the lizard. Not for the purpose of hunting, but for the purpose of taking it as a, a target. So this is cursed, a person who does that. So you see how the Prophet is a mercy to the animals. And another account, the Prophet entered a garden and in it there was a camel. And when the camel saw the Prophet وسلم, the camel started to cry. So the Prophet put his honorable hand on the camel and he called, who is the owner of this camel? A person identified himself as the owner of this camel. He told him to be gentle with the camel because the camel said to the Prophet that his owner was abusing him. So the Prophet is a mercy for everything. A very is a mercy to us. So when you ever read 
in the Sunnah and you know there are certain rulings that you have to abide by many people consider those rulings are you know complications and difficulties and something that they have to bother with and this is the wrong attitude to receive our religion because those same things that you are complaining about or the individual is complaining about are the things that will make it easy on you in this life and in the hereafter. So the Prophet وسلم, was sent as a mercy for everything. Regarding or reporting through a chain of narration is a unique quality to the Muslim nation. This method of reporting is through a chain of narration. For us to move on, we need to know what is a chain of narration or a chain of reporters. It means those individuals who are involved in, transmit, in transmitting a message from the original speaker until that message reaches the stage of documentation and writing. Those are the people who transmitted that message. The individuals who are involved in the transmission, they are the chain of reporters. And the reason why we call it a chain, because when you look and you take a chain, there's links. And every link is connected to the link that came before it. And it's connected to the link that came after it. But it's all connected together. No question at the end. So this is why we call it chain of narration. So if we want to have an experiment here, we're going to make a chain of narration that made out of Firaq and Tahkim and Malik and Sulaiman and myself. I'm going to say something to you and you have to transmit it to the one after you. Tell us what you have heard through the chain of narration. No, that's not. We're gonna try the chain of narration from this. <laughs> we are now. We have this chain of narration. You have to be careful. It's a very basic uh, experiment. We're going to replace Yahya with Yahya. Tell me what you have heard through whom you heard it. And Tahseem heard it. And Malik heard it. And Sulaiman heard it from me. So you can say Abu Nur said. Give me what you Abu Nur said. 
Today. Okay. Now say Abu Nur said today is Sunday. Okay, give us the chain of narration that affirms the fact that I said that statement. No, starting from the one who you heard it from. Now you give us the chain of narration. So when you want to say, I said something, you attribute it to me, you have to give the chain of narration. Now this experiment, you said, Abu Nur said today is Sunday, and you gave us the chain of narration, which means those reporters who reported this message to you. This type of transmission or transmitting information is unique to the Muslim nation. Meaning, the Christians do not have this type of reporting, nor the Jews have this type of reporting. Therefore, the books of the Torah and the Injil is that is, is not they are not documented through the original speaker through a chain of narration. But our religion is documented through a chain of narration. Therefore, we say transmission through a chain of narration is a unique quality to the Muslim nation. Abdullah ibn Mubarak, one of the scholars of the Rashid predecessor, said, Al-Isnadu min al-Din وَلَوْلَ الْإِسْنَادُ لَقَالَ مَنْ شَاءَ مَا شَاءَ Say the chain of narration is part of our religion. Without it, anyone can say whatever they want. There would be no documentation to authenticate or disapprove or disapprove statements and traditions and accounts. Also the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in a hadith narrated by Imam Al-Tirmidhi according to Ibn Mas'ud that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said نظر الله امرأة سمع مقالتي فوعاها وحفظها وبلغها فرب حامل فقه إلى من هو أفقه منه. The Prophet, the translation of this hadith says, May Allah beautify a person who hears my statement, understands it, memorizes it, and preserves it and then conveys it. Because verily a person might carry on a message of the religion to another individual who has more knowledge than the carrier. So we have four levels in this hadith of communicating the message. First, hearing the statement of the Prophet. Secondly, understanding what the Prophet has said, sallallahu alayhi wa Thirdly, memorizing that statement and preserving it in our mind. Because many times we memorize something, but this memory, this memorization deteriorates in matter of days, seconds, hours, whatever the case may be. But here the Prophet say, Hafidhaha, meaning preserve it. And then after all of that, a person conveys this piece of information to another. And, there, and this hadith sets for us the trend 
of communicating our religion. It's not like we just go haphazardly and we start conveying the message as some people do. And they just go around and they travel and communicate the message. There is etiquette in conveying the message to listen, which means seeking knowledge, attending the circle of knowledge. Not the person comes today to Islam, tomorrow he's mashallah on a mission to convey Islam. It does not work like that. And then understanding, after listening there is the stage of understanding. It's imperative for us to understand. Many people listen or hear and develop a wrong understanding. Therefore we need to listen to teachers in Al-Islam who give us education in our religion. 